One of the things I like about Witch Today is how people reserve the depth of their stories or some aspect of their stories until they are sitting on my couch. So when the doctor was telling me in detail what was really wrong mm. and how things could go bad, there was a possibility of death even on the table. As a doctor, I knew that. Medically, he's correct. But the depth in which we went today really inspired me. And so they brought a consent paper for me to sign. And my hands were shaking and I couldn't even sign it. I was like, I need some time. I had quietly written the passwords to all my banking apps wow. somewhere. In you were preparing? I was preparing. In case you died? That was now the reality facing oh. me. They brought a wheelchair in and said, okay, we're going to wheel you into the surgery room. I said, oh, no, I'm not going in in the wheelchair. I'm going to walk to that surgery room. I think my body temperature had dropped so much during the surgery, so I was violently shaken. I wasn't awake, but I was awake. And while I was there, I was thinking, oh, this is a suture. These people have messed up my brain. And almost going blind. The day before, I was driving to shop. My left eye felt funny. So I closed my right eye. When I opened my left eye, I screamed. I literally could see nothing. We talk also about growing up in poverty, going from wealth to poverty. My earliest memories were going to church every Sunday with a different car. I think it was within a period of time, everything changed. Uh, my mom's store got raised down to the ground. Okay. I think my dad made some couple of bad moves in business and lost almost everything he had. And the only other option that was available to us at that time was for my mom to start selling a car. If my mom decided to start selling a car, I guess you could tell what states we are. We have moved from middle class to way down the Kedah. Chinonso Egemba, Aproko doctor with Chide today. Come for me. In my entire life, I never saw that coming. Yeah. There was, there was no book I would write where one of the chapters would be my battle with a brain tumor. Yeah. It could be other things, but not a brain tumor. If you go around asking specific people, I'm sure there's one person who is going to tell you, Chinonso, oh, Apoko doctor, is an idiot. He doesn't. Yeah. 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 And that was because on the particular day he met me, right. I was returning with my wife from the hospital. Mm -hmm. We had just been faced with a very dire diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And we got to the shopping mall. I was supposed to buy some drugs for her. And here was this guy who just met me. Apoko, how far are you there? And I'm like, I'm good. He was like, ah, me could take picture, me could take. And I was like, this is not a good time. And he was like, forget that one, and your good time. And <laughs> I love Nigerians. <laughs> and we must take pictures today. And he pulled me into his in, inner circle. Yeah. And I had no idea when I snapped at him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I used every expletive there was in the book, every cuss word you could think of. I rained it down on him. It was like I was looking for a way to let out that steam. And he looked at me and just walked past. I mm. think he could now sense that this really wasn't a good time. So even if he's watching this, I'm sorry. And so with books, I could travel to different places. Mm. I read a lot of novels, read a lot of biographies, read books about dinosaurs. I, you know, just anything I could consume, I was consuming because that was my only pastime mm. at that particular point. So I think that books actually made me see 
the world beyond my environment yeah. at that point yeah. because yeah. I almost believe that if that was not available, mm. I would probably not be able to dream as much. Yes. So, so it was the books that, that could show me possibilities. You know, I would read about places I had never been to. And as a matter of fact, when we met in New York, it was the first time I had left. I had gone to the United States. But somehow, everything just felt familiar, familiar. <laughs> because yeah. I had imagined, I had yeah. seen it, I had yeah. brought it out in the books. And the closest people around me, as at that time, mm. were the people you would refer to as Agberos. Mm. <laughs> Basically. Right. The closest people right. around me at yeah. that point. I mean, I grew up with Agberos, touts. Mm. Mm. Basically, these are the people who run after cars, collect money from them, collect levies, and if I'm being honest, nothing stopped me from going that route, right? But I also believe that, that there's a foundation, and I think that's, what, that's one of the things that kept me. Mm. My mom sent me to deliver pop to one of them, right. a particular day like that, and when I got there, they gave me money to go pick up, I think cigarettes and weed. And begrudgingly, I went, hmm. picked it up, and got it back to them. And I got the empty plate from them and went back to my mom. And she was asking me, so why did you spend so long there? And I told her, I said, could you please not let me go back there? Hmm. And she was like, why? I said, I don't know, I'm just not comfortable. I didn't want to tell her that I had gone to buy weed, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I just I just told her I don't I don't want to go back there. Right. I think because I was uncomfortable with the environment at that particular point. And I'm so grateful that she didn't argue. Mm. Because mm. other people with that same scenario would have said, This is what is feeding us as a family, so you have to do it. She just never sent me there again. So whenever they ordered for Papa and Akara, she yeah. would ask them to come and collect it. And I'm a firm believer in nature and nurture. Mm -hmm. I strongly believe that if I had continued in that circle, mm -hmm. I would probably become so friendly with them that there would be no difference between their lifestyle and mine. And yours. Your dad, you know, you've not spoken a lot about him, but... Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, my dad is not an absent figure in my okay. life, okay. right? He's actually a very present dad. As at the point where I was growing up, he was very authoritative, mm. military, mm. and I think that also played a part in my experience as a child. Because going through puberty, we're sitting on a dining table just like this. Mm -hmm. And my dad would sit at the head of the table, I'll sit it there. And when you go through puberty, it's almost as if your appetite doubles. Mm. <laughs> and at that point, lack, like I mentioned, poverty. Yeah. And I had gone through the portion of my plate. Mm. But I was still hungry. And I was about to, you know, say, because then, when once you're done eating, you say thank you to everyone who's on the table, take your plate and, and then you leave. And I was about saying thank you, and I think he could see that I was still hungry. And then gave me his, his plate of food. <laughs> it was a small gesture, mm -hmm. but it's been over 
20 something years and it's still somewhere in my head. I can never forget it. Yeah. I think that's also one of the things that made me understand the power of sacrifice when it has to do with other people, mm -hmm. right? Because whether we like it or not, I think it laid the foundation. Yeah. We just never had a talking relationship. So he was the, this is the foundation. These are the do's, these are the don'ts. I would make sure that you stick to it. I would make sure that you stay through it. And even when I went through life alone, it mm. was those tenets that he had already played, mm. placed that actually kept me on that journey. Inconsiderate, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So from secondary school, I had to figure out ways to make extra money on the side. I think I did every and anything. Mm. Anything you could think of, I did it, you know, anywhere you want. As a matter of fact, somebody who was running an organization came to me one day and he said uh, that, uh, that the person that was supposed to design their magazines disappointed them. That do I know anybody that designs magazines? I said, I design magazines now. What are you talking about? Bring the magazines here. Let me help you design. It was like you design. I was like, yes. Like, How come nobody knows? I said, I've been keeping it on it. I had no idea what design was. <laughs> there was no, I had not gone through any class at that point. Yeah. Nothing. And I was in medical school. And you could realize just how tasking medical school could be. Right. And he said, okay, you have the contract. That night, I went to my friend, Harold. He's late now right. and took his computer and I binged hours and hours of YouTube on mm. design, Coral Draw. And I started designing. I designed the magazine. I think it was one of the best designs because I actually loved what it looked like. Right. You know, I was, I was impressed with, <laughs> with, with what I saw. And, you know, we, we printed it, gave it out to them, we're pleased with the product. Yeah. And, from then, I started putting myself in very difficult positions in order to, you know, earn a living. Mm -hmm. How did this become something that you even thought you should dedicate your life to? Okay, let me go back to medical school. Please. So, going back to medical school, I met this old man who okay. came to the hospital with his child. He had a transient stroke. In the simplest way I can explain what a transient stroke is. A transient stroke is a stroke that almost was a stroke, but it was not a stroke. Right. So something blocked it, but the thing left. Right. So right. we took time. I got a history from him. We went to the hospital, to the doctor. And when we went to the doctor, the doctor spent time with this man, educating him on the things that he should and shouldn't avoid in order mm -hmm. to prevent the next stroke, because right. the next stroke is always worse, worse than, than the first one. And we did. And I left him. And we forgot everything about this man. Hmm. Three years later, I was preparing for my final exams. And while I was preparing for my final exams, I went back into the ward to practice on patients. And here was the same man again with another stroke. And this time he died. Oh, dear. And so it got me worried. Is it that this man did not understand what healthcare was. It devastated me that day because of all the people I expected back in the hospital, it wasn't him. I said, okay, here's what I was going to do. I was going to start educating Nigerians on making sure that their healthcare was, was top notch. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing village outreaches. We're talking to the, to the mothers in the village, you know, we're reaching out to them. I was like, okay, there's, uh, there's media. 
right? It's like, okay, so what do we do? Let's do radio. And I went to a very popular radio station in Newe at that point, mm. and I auditioned. And they said, we'll get back to you. Mm. Of course, we know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> the end. We need you to subscribe, yo. And the reason is simple. The kinds of conversations, the kinds of worlds that we construct with our conversations on with Chude are driven by a vision of the kind of world I want to see. You know, you are the most important person in this entire ecosystem. You subscribing monthly. So do go ahead, subscribe. Ask somebody else to subscribe. Advise somebody else to subscribe. Refer to someone to subscribe. It matters, truly. Thank you as we continue to be human together. I had a